0: Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this is Athenium, a podcast about writing literature and the culture that feeds it. And today we're gonna be talking with Laura Bird. She's an author from Madison, Wisconsin. And we're gonna learn a little bit more about her writing process, the book that she has coming out, I believe it's next year, and a little bit more just about writing. Laura, do you wanna do a quick introduction
1: of yourself? Sure. Hi everybody, I'm Laura Bird. I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I went to Notre Dame for college where I majored in English. And I've spent my entire professional career writing, actually, but um, in the field of nonprofit fundraising. I have a lot of nonprofit clients that I've worked with through the years. Um, I have a husband and I have three teenagers who have all been home doing online school during the pandemic. So we've had a house full of angsty hormones for the last 16 months and it's been pretty brutal Um, but we're coming out on the other side um and in my spare time i am a voracious reader and i love to meditate and walk and exercise and i also write book reviews and author profiles for readers lane which i definitely think you should check out um and I also do a lot on my Instagram account, which is Laura at the Library. And of course, um, over the last few years, I have focused more and more of my attention on writing, writing creatively, which is why we're talking today, of course, about my upcoming novel, which is going to be published March first, 2022. That's exciting! Yeah.
0: When did you realize you first wanted to be a writer? So it sounds like you've been writing for a really long time. Yeah. Did you always know you wanted to be a writer? Did it have a moment of spark where you're like, yes, this is what I'm gonna do?
1: You know, that is a great question. And the answer is really simple. And it's it's been for as long as I can remember. Ever since I was a child, I was always writing poems, writing in notebooks, writing in journals. Um, Spelling and English were always my favorite classes when I was a child. And when I went to college, I knew from the get-go I wanted to major in English. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do with my English degree, but I knew it would involve writing in some capacity.
2: When you were younger, because most of your career's been in Mm -hmm. non-fiction, did you want to write more fiction, or did you kind of just find yourself falling into uh, writing fiction?
1: Well, so my my nonprofit fundraising work it's a lot it's been a lot of grant proposals, annual reports, newsletter stories, special event scripts, all of that. Um, and so I've definitely flexed that muscle. But there has been something inside of me that has wanted to write creatively, write fiction specifically write a middle-grade novel for many many years and and I was telling Joe actually that um, I've known for a long time that I wanted to write this book Um, About 15 or 16 years ago when my kids were were really small. I suddenly had this light go on above my head and I saw this girl in my mind. She was about 11 12 years old And I don't want to give anything away, but she was doing something and she was wearing something and and I have no idea where that image came from It was like it was handed to me and that moment That I saw in my head actually is the closing scene of the novel that I wrote and so I was given this image Like from the creative mother universe It was sort of bestowed upon me and that was like I said many years ago 15 16 years ago And I was like, oh my god that's that's my character and that's that's the end of my story but how did she get there and who is she and what led her to this moment and so for the last however many years as I have um, you know folded all the loads of laundry and driven my children on all of their carpools and washed all the dishes after dinner all these moments I've been very much in my head thinking about Her name is Claire thinking about Claire and and her story and that's how I came to write my novel this the story took shape over the course of like I said probably 15 or 16 years
3: wow yeah (laughs) that's kind of how it always starts isn't it (laughs) I know right
1: right well and then there's sort of a second part to it too actually um you know so for all these years I've had this this idea and and this whole story like percolating in my head. And I've, you know, taken notes and I started this Word document where I was kind of, you know, slapping stuff into it. But it wasn't until I read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I don't know if any of you guys have read that book. It's not I. Okay. No. Okay. So I read a lot
0: of Liz Gilbert, but
1: yeah. yeah. So she wrote a book called Big Magic. And I'm not exactly sure when it came out. It was probably fixed seven years ago, um, and it's sort of her her story of responding to the universe when the universe gives you an idea, and and using your creativity and taking that idea and running with it. Because if you don't, someone else is going to take that idea and do something with it, right? So it's like this creative like I said, I call it creative mother universe. Like she sends down these ideas and they're not just about writing. They're about everything. They're about, um, you know, art, painting, um, crafts, whatever, whatever your art is, whatever your inspiration is. The creative mother universe is always sending down these ideas. And as I read this book by Liz Gerblatt, where she sort of talks about this, this whole concept, I got chills down the back of my spine and I thought this is, Creative Mother Universe gave me my idea for my novel all these years ago, and I've done nothing about it. And it is time for me to do something about it. And so I really took that book seriously, and it was truly the spark that I needed to just stop, like, you know, putting stuff in a Word document and actually take that Word document and start writing a book.
3: (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah.
1: Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah is right.
3: That's so dope. You remind me of this uh, quote that I heard, and I, I can't forgive. I can't remember where it comes from. Yeah. But it was someone saying that your passion is the thing you can't stop yourself from doing.
1: Oh, I love uh, that. Yeah.
3: And for the longest, uh, I had had similar feelings to you, uh, mm-hmm. to where I had just had these stories, like, in my mm-hmm.
1: head. Right.
3: And I never I never really did anything back uh in the time that they first came to me, I was actually a lot more into drawing and yeah. the thought of writing. I enjoyed sort of writing like poetry, yeah. uh, but I've never really considered writing a story. Mm-hmm. And eventually it just occurred to me. Uh, this was just a couple of years ago and I had tried writing at this point and kind of fallen out of it. I was like, why am I just always like telling myself these stories? <laughs> and, um, I had recently heard that quote that I just said, and I was it was kind of on my mind, like, what do I actually want to do uh, mm-hmm. with my life? And I just realized I want to tell stories. I can't stop myself from doing it to myself or for myself. And obviously, I had an interest in uh, starting to expand on that and, and tell, like, actual stories and not just run through ideas and sequences right. in my head. So that's really cool i'll have to check out that book
1: oh it's 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 really inspiring i mean it it's it's really one of the real reasons that i actually followed through on finally writing my book i took it very seriously you know And i think i think another thing um for me at least is just i just turned 47 so i'm i'm in that like i hate to say it but like that middle age part of my life and my kids are teenagers now, so they don't—they don't need me in the way that they used to. So I'm, my my life is in a different stage, and I, I really had sort of a little discussion with myself, like if you're not getting any younger, like if you don't do this now, when are you going to do it? It's time. Like the stars are all aligned. It's time to do it. And so I made a promise to myself that I was going to sit every day. And I was going to work on this until I saw it through and got to the end. So it was the promise I made. And, and I, I told myself, don't think about what comes after. Don't worry about publish, publishing. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just be true to the story, commit to the story, and you'll deal with what comes next when the time is right. So that was a very important moment for me to have with myself was to just say, just commit to the story and just do it. See it through, and and that made all the difference in the world.
3: Yeah, it's all about yeah. that yeah. activation energy. It's all about just starting. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's about starting and then just sticking with it. And and I also think it's been for me a, a true lesson in mindfulness, because as you all know, I mean, so many things, you know, poke and prod at our attention and pull us away from what we're passionate about. It's really easy to say, ah. I can't write today. I have to, you know, f- fold the laundry or take my kids here, or take my kids there. I mean, life, life happens, right? But it's really about trying to stay focused and centered and tune everything out and just devote all of my attention to the computer screen in front of me and the words that I'm typing out. Awesome. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if awesome is the right word. I mean, humbling, exhilarating, um maddening, nerve-wracking, those are all the words I would use actually to describe this whole process for me.
0: What was the most surprising part when you were, you know, pulling this book together and all of these kind of like different ideas and finally sitting down. Is there anything that surprised you either about the process or about your emotions or being able
1: to prioritize it? Well, I, I'm very, that's a great question. Um, I am very surprised and very impressed with myself that I was able to see it through and really commit to doing what I set out to do. Um, I was really hell bent on, on writing this manuscript. What I, had, what I did not anticipate though, what really surprised me is the emotional ups and downs I've had in writing my manuscript. Um, it has made me anxious and alive and it's completely whacked me out. And there are nights when I can't sleep and I feel like I've had too much coffee. Um, and then other times it takes so much out of me that I'm just completely exhausted. So it's this very strange push and pull with my emotional state, but I'm just, I'm all in, I'm all for it. Like if that's how I'm feeling in a given moment, I'm just going with it and I do what I can and I use it in my writing. You know, I I hope it makes me a better, a better author actually. I'm, I'm very, I'm a very emotional person, um, and so to be aware of those emotional ups and downs, I think, is is crucial. But it really has surprised me, again, going back to your question, just the ups and downs emotionally that that I've experienced.
3: Yeah. Thank you Pulling from those emotions is kind of how you get it to feel less like a story and more like an actual mm-hmm. experience.
1: Right, right.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and what's funny is my main character, Claire, who's 12 going on 13, um, there's a lot of me in her and that she is in her head a lot. And she she feels emotions very acutely. And she often talks about feeling like a wad of Play-Doh, you know, like being pulled apart and stretched apart and then smooshed back together again. And she feels this way one minute and this way another minute. And, And that that very much came from my own experience and my own personality
3: you know when you said play-doh i Mm -hmm. thought you said (laughs) plato and i was like play-doh wow she's a very well educated 13 year old
1: i mean like a wad of play-doh out of that little can you know exactly what i'm talking about oh yeah i can smell it right now oh i love that smell yep
3: it is a strangely, like, comforting kind of smell, isn't it? It is.
2: It's very comforting. <laughs> yeah, it's childhood. Yeah, it is.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, it smells like adventure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so, would you? How long did it end up taking you when you actually sat down at your computer? How many months or years did it actually take to sure. rate it? Sure,
1: sure. That is a great question because I'm all about logistics, right? So. When I really was putting my plan into place for tackling this novel, I, I had to figure out how many words is a middle-grade novel on average, and typically it's about 30 to 50,000 words. Um, average is usually between like 35, 40, 45, somewhere around there, right? So. You know, I do this other job. You know, I have my fundraising consultant, my my fundraising clients, pardon me, and I've got my kids. So I don't have like oodles of time every day to devote to writing. Um, So I figured out, like, I, I started writing in December of 2018. And I thought to myself, okay, if I want to get a first draft in place by summer, so summer of 2019 which which was about how many months is that? Like, I don't know, eight, nine months? Mm-hmm. How many words do I have to write per day to get me to that finish line? So it, it came down to like 250 words a day, right? Which which isn't a ton of words but, but I write very slowly and I'm very thoughtful while I'm writing. Um, so that took me I don't know depending on the day and my mood and my energy level and how fast or slow the words were were flowing that took me anywhere from like an hour to two to three hours every day so every weekday from December of 2018 to summer of 2019 I committed to those 250 words a day and I finished my manuscript then that summer I think it was July Um. And I cried. I mean, when I got to the, the last page and I wrote the end, I burst into tears. I've never experienced anything like that before. Um, it was exhilarating. But that's just the first part of the story. There's the whole other part of the revising and editing, which is a, a different question that you might be asking me. So, <laughs> The writing of the first draft took me about eight months
2: and then so uh is your book being traditionally published it is
1: it's being published by a well it's 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 a wisconsin-based publisher it's an independent publisher it's small it's called orange hat publishing and i could not be more thrilled to have found them because my whole journey to them was incredibly stressful and upsetting um and humbling but they're, they're lovely and because they're smaller and independent, a lot more is required of me, which alternately makes me uh, freaked out and then completely excited because I can learn as I go. And there's this team of people like holding my hand and guiding me. And I have more say in things than if I were, you know, like publishing through Random House or, you know, name your big, big, traditional publisher it's just going to be a very different experience um and for me I think it's it's great because I want to learn as I go and I'm a sponge and I want to take it all in.
2: So how polished was your manuscript when you brought it to them? Did you already have an agent or did you kind of come to them when maybe you were still open to um like, big changes in your story. How did you approach that? Sure.
1: Well, okay, that's a great question. We need to go back a few steps because there's this whole component of the editing and revising, and I had gotten some really good advice um, that what I needed to do after I finished my first draft of the manuscript, so again, it was summer of, of 2019. It was two years ago that I finished that, I was told that I should find a freelance middle grade editor and of course you can google anything there are freelance editors in every genre right so I did some research and I found a freelance middle grade editor her name is Mary Cole K-O-L-E and her company is called Good Story Company she's based out of uh, Minneapolis St. Paul and I was very intrigued by her because she herself has actually published a book called Writing Irresistible Kid Lit, The Ultimate Guide to Crafting Fiction for Young Adult and Middle Grade Readers. So she's she's published a book on kids lit, specifically middle grade fiction. And I did some research, I reached out to her and I just got such a great vibe from her and I thought, this is the woman who I want to shepherd me through this process. So I signed a contract with her and the way she does it is you sign a contract for each like round of revisions. So it was my first draft of my manuscript and I submitted it to her that summer. And I think her turnaround time was, I don't know, roughly eight to 10 weeks, I think. So she got back to me, you know, fall of that year and I was horrified. (laughs) Um, She had so many revisions and edits for me. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, I'm not cut out for this. Um, Can I do this? But what I did was I took a step back. I took lots of walks. I cried a lot. And then I came back to my goal and I said, nope, I'm going to see this through. Right. And I suspect, I don't have any evidence for this, but I suspect just from things that she's kind of mentioned that Mary receives a lot of first drafts from people and when she gives the feedback back to them, I think they get a little overwhelmed and they're done, right? And I, I can understand that tendency because that was my first instinct was holy cow, like I don't, I don't know if I can do this, but I thought, no, you know what, I'm going to be true to myself. I'm doing round 2. So I did all the revisions she suggested, and I will tell you what's important though to mention is that any revisions or suggestions that she gave me um weren't just in a vacuum. Everything that she suggested to me was was in a context of wanting me to understand why she was suggesting those things. Does that make sense? Like she gave me such good um such good examples such good reasons like everything was everything was in context and so even though I have not been able to take like an MFA get my MFA or like a master's in English I feel like I went through the Mary Cole school of writing um, because I feel like it was like my own tailored personal writing workshop okay so she was giving me all these edits and she was explaining why they were important and why they would make my manuscript better so I really learned and grew from that. So I submitted my second manuscript to her and she got back to me with the revisions and I cried and I walked and I walked and I cried and I would let it percolate and then I went back. And I think, I think during this whole process, Mary started to realize like, oh, like Laura's here to play. Like Laura's, Laura's not gonna back down. And I was not, I I was, I was hell bent on, on seeing this through. So I went through a total of five drafts of my manuscript with her. So five times I submitted my manuscript and she would get back to me and I would make all these changes. And that process took longer than the actual writing process. Um, I think the two of us edited back and forth. It was probably like 15 months if I'm doing my math correct, it was wow. exhausting. So so I would say um, that was very eye-opening for me. You know, and we all learn, like, in school about the importance of revising and editing. But until I actually went through that with her, um, I didn't truly understand what that meant. Right? Like, really improving your writing and, and chiseling your sentences and shortening paragraphs and deleting the first 60 pages of the manuscript like all of these things um were significant and monumental and like like i said incredibly humbling but i did what she told me to do and i learned from it and i grew from it and we finished our work together um last november so that would have been november of 2020 and it was after my fifth draft with her and she said your work with me is done laura it's time to send your manuscript out into the world and then i was like holy crap because then that's a whole other beast right that's like the next step in the process um which we can talk about obviously but i i really wanted to touch on that whole revising and editing part because it is so significant
3: could <laughs> you give us uh, an example of uh, one of the sort of bigger or maybe more fundamental changes that got made during those revisionary periods. Yeah. Uh, anything that might've been Yeah. a little bit painful or shocking yeah. to have to.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, this was a big one. Um, it was probably my third draft with her. So we, we were into it by then. Right. And she came back to yeah. me and she said, okay. And again, I think she was realizing like, with each draft, I think she realized that I was more and more serious. And like, okay, so she was really going to put me through the ringer here. But, but she came back after that third draft and said, you know what? I think you need to get rid of the first 60 pages. Like, literally, the first 60 pages. And I was horrified because that was 20% of my manuscript at that point, right? I mean, the first 60 pages, I was like, are you kidding me? But, but she explained why. I, I had started the story with too much backstory. Um, And she said, it's too much backstory and you're going to lose people from the beginning. You have to start in the middle of action. You have to have Claire, the center of the action there, and you can get to all the backstory later after your readers are more invested with Claire as a character. So, So losing those pages was horrifying at first, but I was able to weave in... The most critical components of them later later in the manuscript, and it worked so much better, so my beginning suddenly became so much stronger and impactful, and she was right, even though I cried a lot about that one. That was brutal so and she was right Mary was always right
2: so when you were working with Mary because so she has experience specifically in middle grade and young yeah. adults, do you think that yeah. that helped you a lot because how much exposure did you have how much research did you do about middle grade writing versus Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. age ranges right because that's when right vocab I know sometimes can be a big thing in in middle grade books or like just how the structure is because that sounds like a very different structure from adult novels that will frequently start with backstory
1: right 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 exactly so I I did have a I, I had a steep learning curve um I I read middle grade books um and of course I read her book writing Irresistible Kidlet cover to cover, you know, and I took extensive notes. Um, But it was a shift for me because I do read more adult literary fiction than middle grade. So I I had to change the way that I was approaching the story. So Mary really was good, good about that. Um, But I did, from the get-go, this was always a middle grade story. And I knew that in my bones because I just knew that that age of Claire... Was like that 12 going on 13 age um i have such strong memories of myself at that age and it's such an interesting unique emotional time and there's so many great things about that age when you're writing middle grade fiction i just i knew i wanted it to be middle grade so yeah it's very interesting mm-hmm.
3: i especially with you Having kind of, uh, you said that you conceived this idea with right. the end of the story. Yes. Uh, did Did you know right then that you wanted that to be the end of the story?
1: Well, n- n- at the time, this image came to me and I was like, whoa, what is this? Like, I, I, I just remember, I remember it just came to me and it was so clear, but I didn't know what it was. Does that make any sense? Like, it was just sort of handed to me and... I'm like, okay, what is this, and what do I do with this? So it was, it was during all those years that came after, um, as I thought about it and chewed on it, and suddenly it started to really take shape. Like, okay, this is the end of her story. She's coming out. She's—I don't want to give anything away, just because it's—it's it's sort of the whole, you know, crux of the book. Um, but it's a pivotal moment in her life, and so. I did know after, the more I thought about it, I knew that it was the end of the story. Whatever this story was that I was going to write, that was the ending. And so it was such an adventure um, coming up with the story that led to that very moment.
3: So what could you uh, maybe be willing to tell us about some of the themes or broader talking points that you explore with this story, with Claire's story?
1: Sure. Well, so Claire, Claire is a 12-year-old, and she loses her favorite person in the world, and it happens to be her grandfather um, with whom she lives. She lives with her grandmother and her grandfather and her mother, so they're a non-traditional sort of family. They have an interesting interesting backstory, um, which, of course, you get to later in the book, not at the very beginning. Um, and so... Her grandfather has sort of made a special request of of Claire and her mother and her grandfather, um, you know, from the grave, if you will. And so it sends her on this journey that she's not expecting. Um, She lives in Chicago and kind of at the last minute, she and her mom and her grandmother are... Are required, if you will, to head up north to northern Wisconsin, which I don't know if any of you have been, but it is a very special and very beautiful place. It happens to be my favorite place in the world. Um, and she has a very profound summer up north. Um, not only, you know, is she grieving the loss of her grandfather, but she learns to push her comfort zone enlarge her comfort zone, step out of her comfort zone. Um, She does things physically that she didn't know she was capable of. And she learns to listen to the brave voice inside of her head, which I think for many girls that age um, is tough to do. There's a lot of noise and to really zero in on your gut instinct and what, what your head and your heart are telling you to do is really i think the center of this whole story
3: wow mm-hmm. if i could i just like to ask one follow-up question then i'll, I'll let you. Yeah. else talk yeah. uh how do you think that your experiences both with your own childhood and then going on years and years later to be a mother yourself mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do you think that's informed the way that you can communicate claire's story
1: wow that is a good question um My being a mother, wow. I've never even thought of that um, and how that pertains to Claire. Well, I mean, I've, no, I I take that back. I guess, I mean, I've watched, my children right now, I have twin 17-year-old daughters and a 14-year-old son. So I've watched them all go through these different phases and stages and the ups and the downs and the emotions. So I, I definitely can see it now as a mother. I can see it a little more objectively. Um, and I can see how strong my kids are, even if they don't necessarily see it themselves. And as a mom, I guess that's, that's my job is to always support them and cheer them on and help them see that they have the skills and the confidence within Um, to do great things you know and that's not always easy for kids that age you know there's a lot of self-doubt so I maybe I do that's a great question because I think maybe that aspect of me being a mother um, informed that part of the story is that I was able to see that in Claire and help Claire see that in herself I don't know does that answer your question
3: whatever you would have to say would answer my okay. question. So okay. yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you for asking me that because I guess, um, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective before, but yeah, that's, that's my answer. It's a good one. <laughs> thanks, thanks.
2: Joe, you've been extra quiet. <laughs> I'm just happy
0: to be here. I um of the, the sort of the three of us who are normally on here, mm-hmm. I probably write the least. Mm-hmm. And so this has just been such a really big encouragement because I think
3: mm-hmm.
0: that just sort of even that theme, whether you're a writer or you're not mm-hmm. sort of noodling on like what gets me out of bed in the morning? And yep. what is that thing that I just want to, even when it's hard, still just grind on it. And it doesn't have to be your job. Right. And, and that's, I think, a really important part of it. You wrote a book yeah. in the cracks of time in between yeah. laundry and life and pickups yeah. and drop-offs. And yeah, it's true. That is literally
1: true. Literally true, yeah. <laughs> there, it there's is.
0: so much to, it's so easy. In this day and age, just say like I just don't have time for that, right? And to right. say I have a passion and I don't have time for it, but I'm going to make it a priority and find right. little slivers of time, right? And get engaged with something that yeah makes me want to punch the day in the face.
1: Absolutely, you hit the nail on the head.
0: Do you have any advice for folks who maybe are in a situation you were in a couple years ago? Of I have this sweet little baby child mm-hmm. of an idea and i, I want to give it to the world i don't even know kind of where to start how how do wh- what advice do you have and
1: yeah i, I know
0: you've touched on a lot, a lot of ideas yeah.
2: like
0: can you wrap it up in a nice little present
1: for our audience um i think the first thing is more uh, an emotional suggestion and that it's to make a promise to yourself like, you make a promise, like, I'm going to do this. I've always thought about doing it. I've always wanted to do it. And I'm sick of thinking about it and wanting to do it. I want to do it. I want to actually make it happen. And I'm going to make this promise to myself, and I'm going to commit to it. Right? That's that's just the number one thing. Um, and seeing that through. But I think from, like, like a logistical perspective like if you want like logistical advice um for me (laughs) google has been my best friend like when I literally sat down and I was like okay how do I write a middle grade novel like I googled average length of a middle grade novel and I came up with a word count um you know like I said it was like what's 35 to 45,000 words. Sometimes it's 50,000 words. Mine ended up ended up clocking in at 40 47,000 words in case you're wondering. Um but I googled like and I I got my hands on middle grade books. I read more middle grade books. I read Mary Cole's middle grade book. I mean so, so my point is if you want to write an adult novel, get some books on writing adult novels, find yourself an editor. Really get those nuts and bolts in place because you're going to need them, right? Like use your resources. I guess maybe that's my my parting wisdom is just use your resources. And there are so many resources out there and some of them cost money and some of them don't. Um, you know, Mary's editorial services cost money and I, I paid for them, but they were worth every penny. And I know that I couldn't have gotten to where I am today without that guidance from her some people might not need a Mary Cole. Some people might need a writer's group, you know, where they're getting feedback from their peers. Um, I, I think you just have to look at what you need, what you want to accomplish and figure out how to get there. You know, draft, a, draft a plan for yourself, put some, some, some goals in place, put some benchmarks in place and just go for it. Like make that commitment to yourself to just start on page one, and get to the end. And when you get to those last two words, the end, then you worry about what comes next.
0: I'll also do a little plug of check out your local library. I know there's a couple of writing groups in Madison. Yeah, I know that you can check out a lot of books. You don't need to have a ton of money just sitting in the bank to be able to pay for resources. There's so much that you might have in your local community to be able to check out and engage to motivate yourself right. Right. or maybe to help someone else as well.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, like you guys are doing, you know, you join a group, you know, whether it's virtual or in person or, you know, through Facebook or through Instagram, whatever it is. I, I just think you have to find what works for you and what's sustainable for you. Everybody's going to be different. I mean, you know, with three kids and a part-time job, like I wasn't able to, you know, to, to go get a master's in English which I really would love to do. Um, I wasn't able to be like in a writing group that was meeting frequently. It just wasn't possible with my schedule. So you know I did what I could and um, use your resources.
2: So talking about yeah. resources. Yeah. Here, here's, a, here's a big question. What to yeah. you makes a good story? wow
1: that that's a great question um, I think for every person it's going to be different for me language comes first I love beautiful language writing style for me is everything um, which is why I gravitate more towards fiction I don't read a lot of fast paced you know heavy plotted books um, you know with twists and turns um not that those don't have good writing but i i really savor those sort of you know slow burn character-centered stories um when i read a good book i want to be left with something that is true and wise about life about being a human um I think what makes a good story are thoughtfully developed characters that I can relate to, or even if I can't relate to them, um, they're compelling anyway. And I'm still learning something about being a human from them. And, and I do, I do of course like an interesting plot. Um, I want a good plot line, but I also love all those literary things like symbols and themes and metaphors, you know, all of those nuances that make, make a story, um, deep, and worth reading
3: uh, what part did you get to in your own story was there a certain kind of revelation revelation, similar to the one that you had when you first conceived it at which you said okay this is this is it like this is what the story is going to be about and I know that you probably can't go into any specifics but uh, no
1: that's Okay, so that's a really good question. So I have to be honest that aside from that first burst that I had, you know, all those years ago with that closing scene in my head, I didn't have any big bursts along the way. I would say for me a lot percolated in my head for a long period of time and things slowly started to sh- take shape. Does that make sense? I I drew a lot of inspiration from people in my life and moments that I witnessed and stories that I've heard, that's where my, um, my energy and my ideas came from. And so it was kind of cobbling together this story over time. Um, so I didn't have any huge like light bulb moments, but it was uh, a lot more like a very furrowed brow like me like, oh, my gosh, well, if she does that, then what happens then? And what about that aspect of her personality? And what about her grandmother and, oh, my God, her mom and all these things? Like, it was it was a lot of um, putting a puzzle together, really. You know, when you add a piece, you have to figure out where the other pieces are going to go. Um, and, again, very uh, true to my life right now, a lot of these things happen, like I said, when I was, like, driving carpool or you know, making dinner. And so I got in, in a very good habit of writing notes to myself and like leaving voice memos on my phone. You know, like I'll be driving the car and I pick up my phone like, oh my God, you know, leaving a memo for myself. Like, this is what needs to happen in chapter seven. This 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 is what she has to do next. Because I learned that if I did not document those ideas like on the spot, I would forget them, you know, just in the busyness of my crazy life with the teenagers and everything so um i guess that's another suggestion i have is just take lots of notes write notes to yourself however you do that whether that's on your phone or in a notebook if you have a piece of paper by the side of your bed whatever works for you i'm doing that constantly
3: yeah i think even more than that uh, in general, just that level of focus mm-hmm. on your story um, to to kind of get into the habit to always right. have it in your mind. Absolutely. Because so much of life, yeah. just the day to day, is is full of those little moments where you have yeah. five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes where right. you're not really like thinking about anything. You know, right. you're just right. kind of going through the motions. Yeah. Fill that time with. Okay what could this character do or what would this Scene look
1: absolutely. like absolutely
3: I think that's very important
1: Absolutely it's like what Joe said before Joe you said it so beautifully I'm gonna get it all wrong Now but you said something about like Writing the book like in the cracks of life Is that how you put it like That's yeah, really what I it is
0: a little Recently read A book um, I know how she does It and just thinking about your oh, life as yeah. a mosaic Yeah and My life isn't in hour-long chunks my life's in five minutes when I'm running down the street because I need to go catch the mailman and all of these small parts of life where where do I have these cracks and where can I fill it with things that
1: bring me joy and bring value to others right it's it's true and and life happens right I mean you know, I, I told you guys before, like I had set that goal to write 250 words a day, you know, when I was writing my first draft of the manuscript, and sometimes that didn't happen. I mean, sometimes it was five words, sometimes it was 20 words, but it all counts because it all, it, it, it's all towards the greater goal. It's towards that, that end that you have in mind. And so, you know, some days didn't go so well, but then there were other days when I wrote 500, 750, a thousand words. So it all, it all makes a difference. And in fact, I don't know. I, I'm assuming you guys have read Gone Girl. At least you know about Gone Girl, right? By Gillian Flynn. Did anyone read it? I
3: have I have read the Wikipedia of the movie.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it was made into a movie then, right? You know, she it was like this huge blockbuster success, right? Gillian Flynn wrote that book. She would get up every morning before her job that she would go to. And she'd sit there, like, with her breakfast and her coffee for, like, an hour and that's how she wrote Gone Girl like talk about the cracks of life I was really inspired by that I, I think that's that's fantastic yeah it's crazy cool
3: mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. okay
0: other questions that Sam, Rob, do you guys have anything? I'm just kind of speechless right now. This has been lovely.
1: Well, do you, do, Joe? You had mentioned like, do you want me to kind of talk a little bit more about the publishing process? Because I, I told you guys about writing my first, you know, my first through fifth drafts of the manuscript, and that you know, working with Mary. But if you want me to kind of touch on what came after that, I'm glad to do that because that's sort of a whole other. Beast.
0: Talk about the beast.
1: Let's talk about the beast.
3: Hear about this beast.
1: Well, yeah, so, you know, as I told you guys, I worked with Mary for quite a long time, 15 months. And then, you know, she told me, okay, it's time for you to spread your wings and fly, little one. Like, send her out in the world. And I was like, oh, my God, no. Like, I, I'm so used to working working with you, Mary. Like, I don't want to stop now. Um, which I never thought I would say because it was so painful going through that process with her. But ultimately it was very rewarding. Right. And we arrived at this, this final draft and she said, this is it. Like it's done. You're done. Your work with me is done. So of course the question becomes like, okay, well what next? So she had definitely prepped me and said that published, the publishing industry is not for the faint of heart. Like You are going to have to have thick skin. You are going to have to learn to not take things personally and you're gonna have to learn to just keep moving forward, right? Um, And that's hard for me because I have mentioned that I'm an emotional person, but I, I took her words to heart and I thought, okay, let's. I gotta do this, so let's figure it out. So again, there are many resources available for people who want to get a book published. Um, and my my initial idea was to find a literary agent specializing in middle grade manuscripts who would take on my story and then sell it to a publisher. And I think a lot of people go into the publishing process with that as the goal in mind, right? Um, so there are many ways to find, middle grade agents that are out there. The majority of them live in work in Manhattan, of course. Um, You can join this service called Publishers Marketplace. I think it's like $25 a month. Um, And I did that for a few months and I found all the information that I could off there. Um, There are some other books and publications that you can refer to to see who's out there. Um, You can Google, of course. So I came up with a list of about 35, maybe it was 40, somewhere in that that ballpark, um, literary agents who specialize in middle grade manuscripts. And it's called the querying process. You have to put together like a query letter and you have to look at what each agent wants. And of course, every agent wants it submitted differently. Um, Some agents, you have to send them an email with everything copied in the body of the email. Other agents have an online um, submission process. You have to go in like you, you know, you attach your stuff, you download your stuff and then you submit it. Some agents want the first three chapters of your manuscript. Some agents want the first 50 pages of your manuscript. Some want a synopsis. Some want a list of all of the chapters and two sentences description of each chapter right so you get where i'm going here like it's exhausting submitting your stuff to the agents okay and the cardinal rule in the industry and mary herself repeated this to me she said you do not follow up once you submit your stuff to an agent you wait you don't follow up they don't want their inboxes clogged up they don't want their phones ringing and for me, that's very difficult because in the world of nonprofit fundraising, you always follow up, right? But that's not the case with literary agents. They don't want to hear from you, <laughs> um, and unfortunately, if they don't get back to you, that's considered a no. So you're submitting this stuff, and it's sort of like this black hole because you don't know, like, are people actually receiving it? Um, is it resonating? There were a couple agents that got back to me and said they wanted to see my full manuscript, which was like bananas crazy because that's what you want is for an agent to come back and say, we want to see your full manuscript. That's sort of the next step in the process. Um, I never heard back from them. I don't know if I'll ever hear back from them because I started doing all this in January, like right at the new year, January, 2021. So I did this for, I don't know, three, Months, I think submitting to agents and I was starting to get dejected because I was getting some rejections, which I knew would happen. And I know it's a saturated market um, and things of course are wonky because of the COVID pandemic. Um, I think a lot of agents are backed up. So it's just, again, this black hole. Um, so I decided to cast my net a little bit wider and I started researching more local regional publishers that accept unagented manuscripts. So that's really important. Unagented manuscripts because big publishing houses will not accept manuscripts unless they have an agent, agented manuscripts. That's what that's called. So there are a number of smaller publishers out there who you can submit your manuscript directly to them. And I found out about orange hat publishing, which I think I don't know if I mentioned it's based in the Milwaukee area, and I'm from Milwaukee. So they have a strong Wisconsin connection, which I was very excited about because my book takes place in Wisconsin and it's unabashedly Midwestern. And I can see how an agent in New York City is not going to jive on that. They might not get the Wisconsinisms um, that might not be up their alley totally fine right so it's just a matter of finding that one publisher who's going to bite on your manuscript and I remember my husband who's been my biggest cheerleader he just kept telling me it's like the NFL draft Laura like you just need one you need one offer you need one person to take a chance on you it doesn't matter how many people say no if you can get one person to say yes that's all that matters and I kept telling myself that so I submitted my, my, my query stuff to Orange Hat Publishing and they got back to me uh, a few weeks later and they said, we love what we've read so far. We want you to submit the, the full manuscript. And of course I went bananas crazy. I was so excited, like, oh my God, maybe this is my chance. So I submitted that. Um, I wanna say it was the end of January. And then I heard nothing for probably two months, nothing. So again, it was this black hole and I really hit Rock bottom. February was pretty bad. March was pretty bad. Um, you know, the pandemic was just lingering, and my mental health was in the, the gutter, and my kids were sick of online school. And then I had no idea what was happening with Orange Hat, and I didn't want to follow up. I didn't want to bother them. So I took lots of walks. Cried a lot. I've mentioned that a lot. that's been a big theme with me because that's really helped save my mental health is all the walks I've taken. And I take a Kleenex with me and I process all my tears, and then I get home and I'm ready to jump back into things. But anyway, so I, I would take my walks, I would cry my tears, and I just I kind of chalked it up to, well, I guess this isn't going to happen, because if Orange Hat Publishing, which is a Wisconsin publisher, is not going to take a chance on my manuscript, nobody is. And so I'd really sort of, you know, resign myself to the fact that, well, I wrote this and I learned a lot and I've got this manuscript I'm really thrilled about and no one's ever going to read it, but okay, there we have it. Um, And then I got an email from Orange Hat at the end of March saying, congratulations, we want to publish your manuscript. And it was the most surreal moment of my life. There we have it. That's my story. That's such a great a story. story. It is. Yeah,
3: that's a story all on its own. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah, very emotional, very humbling. Um I definitely have developed a thicker skin, but I I really feel like I ended up where I was meant to. Because like I mentioned, I can learn a lot and I have much more of a say in things, and it's much more of a collaborative process. I mean, I met the illustrator who's designing the front cover of my novel, and it just, like, that took my breath away, right? They're asking for my feedback and my ideas, and it's a conversation, and I know that that wouldn't be the case if I was publishing with, you know, a large publishing house on the other side of the country. So I'm very pleased, and I'm very thankful, and I'm very grateful. I don't take any of this for granted.
3: Awesome. Yeah, especially given, you know, I think a lot of people who might be, you know, less experienced with this than you are, mm-hmm. would think like, oh, if I if I don't get those acceptance letters like flooding my, my inbox if right. I don't have, you know, uh Penguin or a Right. I, school-lasting
1: random house right if i don't
3: have that big name then you know my work is second right right uh, you know that's so untrue it's so you know yeah. everybody picks up different books to read right so of course it's going to be the same way when people are considering what books they want to publish absolutely and you know when was the last time anybody i mean anybody picked up a book and said Oh, no, no, no. I only read books from random house. Right, right.
1: That's a very, that's a very good point. It's a very good point. I'm just, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like my husband said, like, it's like the NFL draft. I just needed someone, just one person to take a chance on me. And, you know, I I feel like this is my, my on-ramp. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's my time and it's my turn and I'm going to make the most of this. And I, I'm just so grateful. I'm really thrilled. And. I'm I'm here to support any other writers who are going through the same thing. I mean, it's it's really exhausting and but it's it's ultimately it's worth it. I think I can say that now. It's worth it. <laughs> That's <Ugh. good> <laughs> yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah.
2: Well, maybe to kind of wrap up this discussion the one last question Mm -hmm. um is what really defines or what is what are your definitions for um a middle grade novel Mm is that that's what you've written that's what you intended to write from the beginning right
1: so it's interesting um research shows that most middle grade readers are girls um, and they're typically between eight and 10 years old on the younger side. Um, older skewing middle grade books can maybe be geared towards ages like 10 to 12. But I, I think like my book is probably geared towards like eight to 11 year olds, right? Um, and like I said, they, they're roughly around like 35 to 40,000 words. Um, what I love about middle grade is in comparison to say young adult books, they have a much sweeter tone, um, you know they're they're more oriented towards family, friendship, a character's change and growth um, and And I also appreciate that 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 middle grade books can be compelling without needing that paranormal or fantasy element that that's not really my jam. Um, I know a lot of kids love that kind of stuff, but I do love that sweet spot of middle grade. Um, where you can be more coming of age, character driven, and, and you want to show, I mean, remember the, the pull and, and push of that age um, where, you know, you want to be loyal to your family, but you also want independence. You start to figure out who you are and what makes you you, but you still want to have friends and fit in. You want to explore, but you also want to feel safe. It's those contrasts of that age, which I'm very intrigued by, and which very much characterize a middle-grade novel. I don't know. Does that answer your question?
2: Yes. But I think uh, actually a lot better than other sources for trying to define middle-grade. Because it's kind of a hard thing to nail down unless Mm -hmm. you read that or have children in that age and i know i i know i've read that as a child but when you're going through that and you're naturally progressing through books i think Mm -hmm. it's hard to identify oh this is a middle grade right
1: (laughs) yeah i know um middle grade like i think if you could boil it down it's all about kids at that age learning the impact of the choice they make you know some of them are good some of them are not so good but it's that effect that those choices have on themselves and on their development which I think is so so central to a middle grade novel and I would also point out that middle grade novels when I say that they're they're sort of like that sweeter tone there aren't usually swear words in middle grade novels you won't typically find a curse word unlike a young adult novel um you know you're not going to see a lot of sex and very graphic things like that again that's that's for the older ages this is still kind of that that sweet spot as 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 they're heading into their teenage years there's still that spark of innocence which i love so much
0: but i'd say that's not to say it's not big topics oh
1: no right? it is yeah it's very big topics i mean Right. I mean, there's some very big topics in my, in my own story. And I mean, they're grappling with the real world, right? I mean, they're Mm -hmm. grappling with death, with loss, with divorce, with non-traditional families, with um, goals that they set for themselves that they don't achieve and making friends and losing friends and all those very important things. Absolutely. They're all, they're doing that at that age and, and good middle grade fiction needs to, to mirror that and represent that.
0: I think it's so easy as you become an adult to forget middle grade. Mm-hmm. They, especially when I think of middle grade, I think of middle school, but these are the things we read in like upper elementary school, right? Absolutely. The, the ages that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And you have these clear formative years in like the fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Yeah. Where, you know, I was going through Goodreads' 100 best middle grade books and top oh, wow. of it was like polls. And mm-hmm. your heart just melts because you remember mm-hmm. the the distinct moment of curled up on mm-hmm. your family's couch or at a friend's house, whatever it was, sitting with these middle grade books. And so I'm really excited that this is really sparked a passion for me to yeah. so, like, get back in the middle grade. I think I read a lot of young adult and I sort of yeah. check off of like, this is children's literature, but it's really not. And it's so no, distinct yeah. from with the cursing and the... The really kind of spookier topics The romance, mm-hmm. things like that Not to mm-hmm. downplay the, the greatness of YA I think right. middle grade just has a separate Distinct place that often gets right. overlooked
1: absolutely Right, I mean it has its own distinct audience It's, it's very relevant for that, that age group that, that age like 8 to 11, 8 to 12 um, It's a pretty, pretty pivotal age So yeah, I agree with you lot of my favorite books, all of
3: the books that I've read, uh, the books that I read when I was in that demographic, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's not even necessarily that I could say, like, oh, yes, because I read Where the Red Fern Grows, you know, I I was better able to cope with that. It's not like you really picked up on that
1: stuff when you're a kid. Yeah, It's just that
3: you're getting introduced to that concept, and especially course if the storytelling is good mm-hmm. you're capable of picking up on
0: what's there mm-hmm.
3: without necessarily realizing like oh in in this moment i'm learning about the
1: world absolutely around. absolutely and that's, that's actually, kind of yeah T- to that point that's that's something to in middle grade novels which i learned very quickly with mary um is you don't want any preachiness and you don't want the adults in the story to be imparting the wisdom on the kids, you know, like, this is what you need to know, Claire, like, you know, having her mom tell her or her grandmother tell her that's not a good middle grade story. You need all of that awareness and that growth to come from that. The kid come from the main character. All self generated, if that makes any sense. You mentioned earlier
0: about how your life as a mother has impacted, and it reminded mm-hmm. me so much of when you said just previously, you know, there has all these like big, brave ideas. And I think, in a way, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, this is everything mm-hmm. as a mom you want your kids to hear and they just won't. And so, able yeah. to put it in a book where it's their own idea.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I've never thought of it that way, but you're totally right, Joe. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah.
3: Thanks. What would you? Uh, this is, I guess, uh, uh, my last question for you. Yeah. What would you say? Um, middle middle grade sort of stories, kind of really stuck out to you. Maybe not so much so that you based your own writing off of them, but mm-hmm. just had a personal effect on you that you can recall.
1: Oh, my God. That's such a good. St- oh. I mean, I, I read so much at that age. I loved. I mean, I love Judy Bloom. I'm sure you girls read Judy Bloom. I mean, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. I mean, oh, my gosh, I, I, I guess I'd have to look. I don't even know if that's considered middle grade or young adult. Te- technically, when I was a kid, I don't believe they they differentiated between the two. So there wasn't, you know, sort of this designated middle grade genre versus young adult genre. Um, but when I think back to those middle grade years, I think back to like Judy Bloom. Um gosh, I re- I read Where the Red Fern Grows To. Love, love, love. Um, The Outsiders. So many good books. Just more can more currently, um, i've fallen in love with dan the i really recommend him he, his novel the remarkable journey of coyote sunrise is just delightful and i actually refer to it in my own story it's the book that claire's reading um, when the novel is taking place kevin henkes is wonderful he, he's known most for his little kid books but he has a number of middle grade books Sweeping Up the Heart is one of his middle grade books. It's so lovely. And he, Joe, I don't know if you knew this, but he's based in Madison, Wisconsin as well. I don't know if you knew that. Um, Pam That's Munoz. So exciting. Yeah, yeah. Pam Munoz Ryan wrote Esperanza Rising, which you guys have probably heard about. My own kids read that in school. That is wonderful and so necessary. Kate Allen wrote The Line Tender. I was really... Moved by that book, um, so those are some contemporary titles that that are recent reads for me. Well,
3: thank you very much. Yang, uh, do we have any more questions for Mrs. Laura?
0: Anything? I'm just really excited to read this. It's oh, oh my gosh, less than a year away, and so I know it'll right. Be- eagerly awaiting um, to learn more about Claire and her journey
1: and thank you. Jo. spend that
0: time leading up to it, reading probably way too much middle grade over the next year.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. You guys have been so supportive and encouraging, and I can't tell you how fun it is to talk with other people who love books and words and writing as much as I do um, because in my day-to-day life, I don't really have too many people to talk about these things with. Um... And so it's a breath of fresh air to have this conversation with you guys. I really appreciate all of your encouragement and your enthusiasm. We really
2: appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us. Oh, thanks. It's been really
1: fun. Anytime you guys let me know if you ever want to do it again.
3: Pleasure was all ours.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Rob. Thank you all right
2: well all right let's sign off so sam gonna wrap up uh is it is it my turn to wrap up is that I, I can. It.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to Athenium podcast please follow us on instagram feel free to email us we are accessible at Athenium podcast lit at gmail.com or Athenium podcast again please reach out to Laura. She's on Instagram as well, Laura at the library. Um, and we look forward to talking to you in two weeks where we discuss middle grade as a genre. We've kind of touched on it already, but let's dig in a little bit more. What do we like, what do we dislike and how have our childhoods maybe differed and what have we forgotten about? So I'm really looking forward to that and like subscribe and let us know what you think. Thanks show. Thank you. Bye. Thanks guys.